Welcome to the Contractor Freedom Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Phillips. This show exists to help small business owners like you escape the tyranny of contractor prison and enter the bliss of contractor freedom so you can have the time, money, and freedom to live your life with purpose beyond your business. As a certified human behavior consultant in disc personality styles and motivators, I'll be sharing with you skills for life, love, leadership, and business. I'll also be connecting you with experts that can help you scale your business and your life. So if you want to build the business and life of your dreams, then you are in the right place. Let's go. Hey friends, Jason Phillips here. I'm excited to be with you today live for our Contractor Freedom Podcast. I have a special treat for you today. I have my friend Mark DeFrancesco all the way from Connecticut down here in, in Allen, Texas with us here live today. And we spent the whole day to, to, uh, yesterday together, and I want, want you to get to know him and think he's got some great things you're going to love. You're going to love hearing from Mark. So, Mark, I just want to say welcome. Thank you very much. I, I'm I glad you're here. We got to send, spend the whole day today, excuse me, the whole day yesterday and, and today yeah. together. Man, tell us where, where are you from? Tell us the name of your business and such. So, I'm from Connecticut. Name of my business is MDF Painting and Power Washing. So we've been at it up there for a while. We do primarily high-end residential painting, and we do some commercial repaint painting as well. When did you? St- How long have you been in, your, in business? I've been in business since 95, but really in business since 03. So I had been painting when I was younger and even through college and all that, and, and then launched out for real in, so in 03. Your clients are residential bu- builders or homeowners? Primarily homeowners. Primarily yeah, homeowners. Most of our work is direct to owners. And even in commercial, we prefer to be direct to owners where we're doing work for the university or the assisted living complex or whatever building we're painting. I okay. see. Got it. Yeah. Well, t- tell, us, tell us a little bit, Mark, about just the, the basic structure of your company. Who does, who does the painting? Who does the sales? Who does the marketing and such? Yeah, so good question. Start with the direct labor of our painters. This has changed over the years. We've talked about it. I went from being a completely employee-based company to a completely subcontractor-based company back to a completely employee-based company. And so it's been a bit of a journey, a journey for us. And But now we're all employees, and that's the way I prefer it. So Is that typical for your state? It's a mix. It's a big mix. I would say it's probably very similar to 50-50. There's a, okay. lot of, a lot more subcontractors in the last 15 years are being used by more and more companies. And the employee model, I, I love hearing from that because us, my company, we're 100% or I'm going to say 99% subcontractor model right. and, and you're the employee model. And it's they're, they're both great. They both have challenges at the same time. They're just a little bit different. What did, so there's certainly pros and cons of both. I think what's been beneficial to me is being able to live and see and work in both. Like I had subcontractors for a full decade. So it's not like I was new to that or I just tried it out. The things I loved about it, in many cases, the subcontractors were just really qualified. They had their shit together. They could get things done efficiently. They cared about finishing a job and going to the next job. That was the positive of it. The negative that I found was I didn't always have the control that I felt that I needed in terms of just getting things done right now as I need them done. And in many cases, those subs that I had were like family. They, were, they worked with us all the time, and, and they were great, but especially in carpentry. So I had always subcontracted carpentry out as well. And after a while, I was just like, I, I can't. I needed to work more in unison. And I felt like I wasn't doing enough of, of building a team. And I feel like when I went all employee the second time in, I decided I was going to really build culture and build team. I in see. A big way. Nice. So like, we, I mean, we do an employee event every single month. And I know a lot of people do these events, but we poll our people on what they want to do. We invite the families. Like it's almost one of my marketing people. Part of what she does is just like promo the events. <laughs> so we're using like direct mail and phone calls and text to your own people to, to my own people to get as much of a turnout as I can to go to the minor league baseball game, to the bowling night, to the crew leaders for billiards with the owner type thing. And so we do a lot of things like that are awesome. And then our weekly meetings. So I was never able to have the type of weekly production meetings when I had subs in in just in my world that I'm able to have now 
with these guys. So that's our path now. But I've taken a lot of things from the sub world, like bonus structures, like how I, yep. I call it my payout system. That's the number one most important thing to make money in this business, net net money, in my opinion. And I think I've been able to transfer it in a way into the employee model, which I think is the key thing. I love for that us. you've done that. Yeah. And so there's a lot to learn from both. The the culture element also that you were mentioning, I think you've got something really special going on. It's cooking. We got a long way to go, but it's it's cooking and it's 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 awesome. It's yeah. What brings you to Dallas? You, <laughs> I just, I admire you and I totally respect what you've done in the business for such a long time. And in getting to know you in the last few years, just casually at, at different events, whenever we would chat, I always left the conversation thinking, hmm, that's really smart. Or I like how he thinks about this because I think we think alike in a lot of ways. And I always see a person who's constantly growing and learning and trying to improve. I think it's Tony Robbins is like constant and never ending improvement. I'm a big Tony yes. Robbins guy. And I just see that in how that how you handle your business and, and even just knowing you casually, how you would handle your faith and your family and your physical workouts and, and your business. It's just not one thing. It's your whole life. And I think as business owners, I'm the bottleneck for my business now. And I was 20 years ago, and I will still be 10 years down the road from now. However, when you make a conscious decision to say, how do I get better every day? I think that's when things change. And for you, I just see it as, hey, that guy's trying to get better all the time. And that, that's just, we were in Florida or someplace, and we, I'm out at the treadmill. It was early morning, and you're already on the darn treadmill doing something. <laughs> and I'm just, so it's not just about painting houses or, or whatever we're doing as contractors. It's about life and how you're trying to grow and learn and get better in life is going to have a direct, direct effect on the business. Hey, I admire well, that in you and I, I appreciate you. And you've been so open and just thank you very well, much. Well, I'm honored to have you here. And oh. I feel I talk to contractors all the time. And you've, after us spending a whole day together and really just diving in, talking about your business and my business, you've got some really awesome stuff going in your 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 business acumen is on point. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. And of that. course, we're, <laughs> I think we both know a lot and we're both students. And I think that's one of the things that I really, that really struck me when I met you is I'm like, okay, this guy's smart, he's hungry, and he's asking great questions. <laughs> and you can tell by the questions people ask. And of course, I'm, look, I'm growing. I'm, I want to grow my company as well. And we've got people that are, that are uh, listening or tuning into this uh, podcast they're like, man, how do I how do I get to that point where I can do these things that that Mark's doing? What would you mind sharing? Would it be okay to ask like what time of t top line type revenue you guys are just or yeah, how many painters this, or something? This year we're looking to hit five and a half million. Nice. So it is primarily paint. We do we do paint. We do some pressure washing. Carpentry obviously has to be part of it. I'm up in New England, so you you really don't paint an exterior paint job without having some carpentry in place. So we do have carpentry teams. So that's that's where nice. we are for revenue. Okay, yeah. that's absolutely beautiful, which that's not a lot of guys in that realm. And No, but there's a lot more that could be done. Our market share is so small relative to everything that's getting done, and we all feel that way, right? Yes. <laughs> Wherever you are. Absolutely. That's one of the things. I look at my market here in DFW. We've got, what, four, four, four plus million people. And the amount of gallons of paint... That are being spread, it's almost unlimited. It, exactly. I've just got a tiny slice of the pie. So the sky is the, the, sky is the limit for, for all of it. A friend of mine actually pointed out recently that they, they talked to the Sherwin-Williams in my area in the state of Connecticut, and they were trying to pull what percentage of paint is sold in January and February because I'm always complaining about how it's seasonal and it slows down, and it, and it does slow down in those months. Um, but apparently Sherwin-Williams still sells a heck of a lot of paint, and I'm not spreading all that paint. So they're... <laughs> <laughs> so who, right. Okay. That makes you ask. There's a lot of room to grow. Yeah. Why am I not getting those leads? I guess that's my marketing mindset. I get that. And that just, and that's still today. I'm like, man, what channel did they get that through? Cause I know I've been on their door in their mailbox <laughs> constantly. It's a constant grind. I started out putting flyers in mailboxes and doing, going for jogs and literally putting flyers in mailboxes and I'm not attorney. Don't take that as legal advice. It's illegal <laughs> to put it in mailboxes. As long as there were no U.S. Postal Service trucks around. You I was slipping it. in the mailbox and uh, 
And still, we do a lot of advertising as well. And we, I feel the exact same way. It's funny that you say that. I'll drive through a neighborhood that's my neighborhood, and then I'm like, did we get, and I'll call the office, did we bid that 1252 Candlewood Drive? Did, did we get a, oh, we did? Okay, good. <laughs> did they at least call us? <laughs> I, I have done the same thing. So that's so, awesome. So tell me, how do you, what type of marketing do you do these days, and how do you get your clients? Uh, so we do a lot of different things. I'm still old school with direct mail. So I do like direct mail. I spread it around. The last three, four years, I've done a lot of EDDMs, every door direct mail. So postage is cheap. You can get pretty detailed because you're di- dialing down to small neighborhoods. Like in our locale, I don't know if all the, I don't know where what it's like in any other part of the country, but near us, it's pretty tight neighborhoods, like 200 houses, 180 houses. So those are very similar demographically, but you're not going to have a block of 160 houses in half of them are renters. They're right. all homeowners. In my area, it's higher end res. They'll all be million dollar homes or, or close to that number. And so they're similar. They're all in our market. We find that works, but we are doing everything from proximities to saturation to new homeowners, which we've done for a while. We do digital like everyone does. We have a two agencies that we kind of use. We, we try a lot of things and we're always watching what works and what doesn't work. One of the things, Mark, that I see from various painters is they don't invest in marketing. Mm. And you had mentioned you spend a, a set percentage on it, right? Yeah. So I'm different than probably most. I'm, I'm a little maniacal. Like at one point when I started my business, I would just read every single marketing book that I could find. So that's at one point every winter I would learn something. And one, one winter was blackjack and counting cards. <laughs> one winter, but there was a marketing winter, right? And I just blitzed. I'll read 20, 30 books on something. And so I've always felt like, you need to be marketing. And the reason being, because there are so many people I meet that are like, I don't market at all. And it's a point of pride. And I just wonder, listen, if you love everything about your business and everything's great in your life, then let it be. You shouldn't market. But for me, if I love my business and I feel like we're doing a service to the employees and to the customers, why would I not want to grow that? Like, why would I not want to expand that to the highest level that I'm capable of doing? And really the only way to do that logically is to continue to market. In 20 years from now, we'll be a much different animal as a business than we are now, I hope, MDF painting. And in doing so, I'll still be marketing. And I would actually think it would be crazy for me not to be marketing. Now, of course, I want to, if I could shave a point off of it and save a little here, of course, I want to do that. It's all about getting the best value I can get. For everything we buy. Once you get the, the delivering of the widget, the paint jobs down. You want to do more. Yeah. And you know, you're like, you're providing a great service. Exactly what you said. How are you going to drive that? Word of mouth is only going to take you so far. Word of mouth is great. We right. love it. But there's so much more you can do. And word of mouth has always been our best thing. It is still our best thing. We talked a lot yesterday about allowable cost per lead, right? Yes. And it's always too much money, right? I, I always want it to be less. Hey, that was good, but... I wish it was $30 per lead less or $100 right. less. But what allows us to do, because we're flirting with television. We're going to start our television ad soon. I know you have experience with that, so I was asking you about it. And what allows you to do these different things are the fact that you have so many past customers, or at least that allow me to do it, is the fact that I have over 10,000 residential customers that continue to call us. And so now when that lead comes in, it doesn't cost zero because we do a lot of the the newsletters and some of that outreach, but it's very uh, inexpensive relative to getting that new client. So that combination of both allows you to have an allowable average cost that's low enough for it to make sense. That's what I'm seeing. Mark, if you were starting your business over today or expanding into a new market, what percentage of revenue would you dedicate to advertising? 10%. And if I did 8%, I would be doing like a little happy dance, a little penguin dance and making a little bit more money in my pocket. And if I did probably 12%, I wouldn't cry about it too much, but I would know I've got to, I've got to tighten it a bit. Yeah. Okay. As a, that's a number, that's a percentage of top end revenue. I think that's, I think that's a great number. Ours is very similar. Yeah. And I've been in a range. Yeah. What, who does the selling? So I have a sales team that does the selling. Um, I did the selling for a long time. So I like to say that I sold like $20 million worth of residential houses, $500 power washings at a time. Um, but we have a sales team now that goes out and they, they strictly sell. 
So that's their job. But there's a bit of a process to our sales methodology. I've seen bits and pieces of yours, and it's the closest thing I've ever seen to, to what we try to do, which is spend the time with that client. And you know, I'm not going to go deep on that here, but I think it's about spending time drawing out some of that pain, being able to obviously present and talk about the price on the spot, but to also have options like, hey, let's go shopping together. This is for what we talked about to do it this way. It looks like this. And I just noticed in the meeting, I just got to sit in on, there's some cool things that you guys do with financing and with some offers that also allows them to feel like they have options that you can't take a $15,000 job and make it $3,000. You can't, it, it would be a different job, right? You could say, I could give you 3000 worth of that 15,000, right. right? Like you want, you ordered a steak, but you're only going to get that little <laughs> <laughs> a half an ounce. You could pay for the half ounce. But when you have these other things in play, um, I think it's powerful and it allows people to feel like, we call our salespeople paint care consultants. That's the name of the title. And that's by design. And, and I really want our guys to feel that every day, like put on the hat of the customer, sit on the side of the table with them and say, hey, I'm your consultant. I want to help in this decision process. So it's high on information. Now, obviously, we, have, we already have a good reputation in the market and people know that they call you for that reason, but we're on the expensive side of the market. When, and as I talk to some of your salespeople, they feel the exact same way. And so you're selling high value, low risk every single day. That's what we sell, high value, low risk. And for some salespeople, it takes time to understand that because not all industries and not all sales positions sell high value, low risk. Particularly in the painting industry. Correct. There's a lot of chuck in the trucks and they're going to go and sell low price. Geico sold low price for a long time and it worked for them but it doesn't work for MDF painting. And the, if you look at it, the it seems across the country, whether they're nationwide or local companies, the ones that I talk to, the not only the most profitable, but the companies with the happiest clients are also on the upper end of the price. A hundred percent. When you're the owner, you hundred percent believe in it, in the mission, and you know what's broken on the machine. Right. And you know yes. what's got to get tinkered with, but you believe in the mission because you're behind the mission. Right. And so in sales, your team needs to believe that this is the best possible thing that homeowner can do right now for their home in every way possible. And in doing so, they always sell them the best job. And the best job is at the best price, which is the highest price, it's the highest value. That's right. And that person is always the most satisfied. The person who buys something at the lower value is never as satisfied long-term. We deal with a lot of weather conditions in the Northeast. Our customer care program is the thing I've been hanging my hat on the last six, seven, eight years. And it's all about buy the best, and then it's taken care of for you in the long-term. Yeah. It's not just warranty. It's more than that. It's You want to have a great experience. If you buy a bad, ex if your paint looks good or your gutters look nice and the roof doesn't fall off, it could still be a bad experience. And if it's a bad experience, that could affect your family. So many people don't, so many people don't understand that. And you get that. I get it now. I didn't always get it. I didn't I, always I, get it. I, but the qual I see how maniacal you guys are about the quality. Like when you're having a third party find out how good your quality really is, it's not about what Google says or Yelp or any of these other false things. It's right. When you care, like we, we've been collecting report cards since I started yeah. this thing, right? Yep. They all say a, like sometimes it says like B minus and you know what? They're just, they're almost meaningless. I'm, I'm, it's a raw, we clap about it and all that. It's fine. But when you really want to go get strategic on it, honest advice, that's a different thing where you want customers to say, Hey, what, Tell me, we want to get great. Yeah, I, I don't want and, my and customers to tell me to my face, I'm happy. I, what I really want I is I want the them to be so wowed that they tell their friends about right. me. And the, if I'm going to get to the bottom of that, I need a third party that they can be honest with, that they feel safe being honest with. Right. Phillips could have done better on this. Right. And because then I can take that data and work with my team to improve. And typically... It's a, it's a communication thing, typically. It's typically almost always a communication thing. But the powerful thing when you bring in the third party, I think, is that other people on the team are now really forward-focused on what those numbers look like and how do we win by improving those, that metric. I think that's a key thing. When you just start getting a whole bunch of A report cards, 
It's commonplace. We celebrate Google reviews because the world celebrates Google reviews right now. But truth be told, if we want to fine tune our, not our craft, our experience, our customer experience, we need to ask the hard questions. And I know you're committed to getting better in these things, even though you're excellent and ahead of everyone around here it's like google can change google or facebook can change their algorithm and cut me out of the loop and you out of the loop in a heartbeat right matter of fact i've talked to a couple of companies that have been shut down with their google business profile or their facebook at times and their leads shut off well if i'm in direct contact and i have a relationship with clients not customers that are transactions but clients that call back and I can call them, I can email them, whatever. There's no one in between us. There's that, not that third party. And if I'm burning through clients and treating them like transactions, that's not going to be an asset to me. My relationship with my clients and yours as well hmm. is, is vital. And I wish every business owner would see this, but they don't. I call it chasing greatness. And I think that's what you're doing. Like in, in your customer experience, everything that happens from when they first call you to the prepositioning stuff, to the salesperson shows up, their whole demo, their presentation, closing the job, scheduling is a big part of this. I'm talking to your gal and her rain conversations with people and how you set it up. And in a lot of us are very similar in how we're doing that. We're sending them information. We're talking to them. We're really just carrying the customer through this whole process. And at the end, that experience is great and we don't run away and don't disappear if and when they have because I mean, one thing i know about paint is appeals eventually it's the one thing i know about it if you do all that right you're really chasing greatness and what you're trying to do right and so if you're if you make a hamburger at the hamburger store make the best hamburger right and that's what you're trying to do after so many years still and what i'm trying to do after so many years and that's powerful. Google is not going to take that away or a dishonest Yelp or home advisor, anyone else, because it's real. Yes. And when you chase greatness and you come close, the world recognizes it. So the, true. You, Man, I mean, that's, that's true. That's true. But the hard part about it for someone like me is it's never ending, right? You don't hit a point. So you're obsessed with improvement. You, yes, you, but you have to be, right? To some degree, you have to be. You just can't let it get in the way of you executing. Right. So you have to be able to, I think, just constantly chase it and be like, that's the game we're in. We just chase it. Right. One of the things that that I speak about a lot is the concept of contractor prison and contractor freedom. And, and uh, I have to get one of those shirts, by the way. I've got I, to, I can I've make got that. To... I, I can make that happen. <laughs> the uh, talking to you, you're you're definitely not anywhere near contractor prison. You've got time. You got money. You got freedom. Yeah, but I want more. I so, mean, so what is that more? What, what's, what's the next thing? I know you're always wanting to improve. What's that next thing that you want to do for your, for your business? So I'll be honest. I started my business. I want to make a lot of money. I'm a blue collar guy. Came up pretty blue collar. I had, I have a great family, had a lot of stuff taken care of for me, but I was, I would grind. I was that kid selling baseball cards to make money to buy my Joe Montana rookie card type thing. Right. I was always in business <laughs> in the beginning. I want to make money. And now I want to help people in, in my team primarily. Like that's been the biggest change. Like it, in, I mean, we're customer focused, but we're even more employee focused right now than we've ever been. And I actually think we're a little bit more focused on the employees than the customers. And I sometimes have pains in me because I'm growing pains from going from the old yes. model where we fight for the dollar and I cared about my employees always, but it's different now. It's actually where I care about the employees more. And my focus is making it amazing place. Like the facility you have here, part of why I'm here is I want to be more inspired. There's not that many guys who are doing it this way where a team can prosper, a team can grow. You can come spend your career at Phillips and have a great life for yourself, for your family. We spend more working hours at the grind than we do with our families for some people, right? And if that's the case, the quality of your life is directly related to who you work around and in what condition you work. 100%. So when I walk down this hallway here and I see how you've designed this, because this is like this, I call it an L10 factory, (laughs) and it inspires everybody to be an A player. And think about it. If you're an A player, you're most happy with your work life. 
just like the customer spent the most money is just is the happiest with the job they did. And so it's so creating that for me is probably my next obsession. And I think we've done a good job of doing it, but there's so much more that we can do. So a facility, I know it's just a physical thing, but this world-class facility is the next thing on my mind that's like a game changer. And really it goes back to the conversation of like why market to, to do more, like because we could be more. I'm not at my capacity of what I have the capability to do. I think that's the number one thing. Someone came and tried to buy my company a few years ago and I didn't sell it. And my wife said, to, and we have rental properties and different things that we do. So it's... I do okay with that stuff. And she said, why didn't you sell this darn thing? And I said, I have unfinished business. And she <laughs> goes, what does that mean? That's silly. And she, she's not in the business with me at all. And I said, I just would feel like I just sold out. I gave up on what we could be. So I guess like the vision of what we can be is so much further than where we are. Why would I stop now? If I could have more happy customers and more happy employees and keep propagating that, why would I not want to spend my 10% in marketing? Why would I not want to grow this thing? It'd be silly. Now, every system's not perfect. It's all got to be fixed and shored up and made a little bit better. But that's part of the fun. It's like the tinkering. So I started, so from that moment when I didn't sell my business, I started calling it my opus. Yeah, my wife hates me with all this stuff. But because to be an opus is something I just work on. Like just, I'm always going to work on it. Because I used, when I was younger, I used to be frustrated that it wasn't perfect. Okay. I want it to be like this. Just like coming here, I just said to you, there's 10,000 things I've learned from hanging out with you for a day that I should do, but I can't do 10,000 things at once. But I'm okay with that. 15 years ago, I would be more stressed about that. That doesn't stress me out at all. I'm where I'm at, and it's good. But if I can add a couple little things, then I'll get a little bit better, and it'll allow me to then do a couple more things. And ultimately, it just helps my people, right? It's just going to help my people. And that cascades to help the customers. Going back to something you said a moment ago, it's like in the beginning, you said, I just want to make money. And, and it's, there's, these three, there's these three phases and of survival, then success. And it's now you're into that significance phase. Mm. You're not doing it. You're not necessarily doing it for the money. No, you want to make an or, impact or, or, or you, 100%. Mm -hmm. And you want to, and I, like yourself, I definitely want to help contractors because I feel like I've been for, very fortunate because I hit some really bad roadblocks. When I started out, I was damn near bankrupt. I hit the wall, 2008 hit, honestly, and I just, it fell out from under us. I was doing everything wrong. I was overpaying on all my labor. Things were a mess. No systems. I was aggressive like hell. I would sell a lot of stuff. I worked hard. I did all that, right? And I cared about everything. I cared about the customer. I cared about everybody, but it wasn't working. It was broken. And fundamentally, things had to change. And for me, it was fixing in the cost of my labor. That was the number one fundamental change that immediately went from on the fringe of bankruptcy to paying everybody back that I owed money, all the, everybody, I owed money to everybody at that moment. Um, yeah, that was a tough moment. It's... Our biggest expense is in this type of business. It's not materials, not factories, it's not licensing. It's not marketing either. It's, and it's not marketing. <laughs> it is labor. It's payroll dollars. Yes. And one of the things one of the things we measure is the labor efficiency ratio. Yeah. We talk about maybe we'll share more about that at another time. But that's that's the number one place you can waste. You can in, in next behind that's probably materials, and then right behind that. Marketing. Correct. And a lot of guys waste money and on marketing. Because so, we were talking about profit yesterday. And profit's big to me because I feel like we're under profitable as a industry. 100%. There's so many guys out there that are not making money. And that's the number one complaint I hear from people. And you got to control that labor. And then you got to watch that market really close. You got to watch all the dials. But there's a couple dials. Like I said to someone last week, if you don't control that labor properly, you can be masterful at everything else you can have the most efficient amazing marketing with a great cpl you could have a sales team that's amazing you can you can do everything right and you still won't really be profitable that's right so start with making that part of it work right everything you know? that's so many times guys will fight to save money on copy paper and yet, and the jobs are going thirty percent over. Yeah, and <laughs> the, the the higher it is on the top of your income statement, 
the more impactful it is. That's why it's, you're, you're absolutely right. So that's been powerful for me. So what, man, so far is, are there any, you mentioned there's 10,000 things and everywhere I go and I, I have the same thing I, and I narrow them down to, man, this is, here's something that I want to do, I could do, but I can't do now. So I'm going to put it in the future. Mm. And here's something that's going to add value and move the needle for my company now. Right. Do you have any takeaways after just, we've done a lot of just talking business. Yeah. So I think. I'm probably just going to break it down to two because there's a lot, but two would be my metrics. So I do have metrics and quite a few metrics that I look at with this whole L10 and traction tools and the whole EOS system. I'm not sure how many people listening to this will know about that, but I want to really run on EOS and I don't run on EOS completely yet. And I'm seeing you running on some version of it that's much further down the road than where I am. And I think that's probably one of my big takeaways is to keep going down that path Mm. and to try to expedite that trail of just really, that's probably my biggest thing. Like I want to operate on EOS. And part of it is because everybody's forward looking. Like we just talked about labor efficiency. In order to have any type of efficiency, everyone has to know like what winning looks like for them individually. So if I'm going to show up someplace for eight hours, what does winning look like? And so... We start to do that in a lot of ways with meetings that we have and with little incentives that are out there. But when the metric is on the wall and it's, hey, your crew needs to get this done. Most painters have this done with their crews, right? They know, hey, you go to this job, it's got to be done in seven days. Everyone has an idea of that. Some people are much better at others than spelling it, at spelling it out. But when it comes to the person in call center, Okay, do they know what's their metric for the day? The person who's rehashing, do they know what their metric is? The person who's selling, do they know what their metric is relative to what it was a year ago or relative to what the company has to hit for the week, the quarter, the day, the the month, right? Yes. The more detailed that is, the more you're allowing A players to go ahead and win. There's a lot to that, though, because you have to hire right. Correct. That's, That's a whole other department. Hey, contractors, are you ready to go deeper or rather higher? Are you ready to up your leadership game, up your people skills, up your uh, systems so that you can get more time, money, and freedom from your business? That way you can live your life with purpose beyond just running your business, escape contractor prison, and enter contractor freedom. I want to invite you to register spaces limited for the upcoming Contractor Freedom Summit right here held uh, in Dallas, Texas, October 26th, 27th, and 28th. Just go to contractorfreedom.live. That's contractorfreedom.live. And the registration link is right there. And if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to me at on Facebook or on LinkedIn. Again, right there at contractorfreedom.live is all the links to our social media profiles. So I look forward to seeing you online and at the summit right here in Dallas. It will be transformational. I promise. You know, it, it's, I talked to a lot of owners and a lot of owners don't have a specific goal for what they want to hit in revenue. We just know we want to grow. We want to grow. And very few of them have broken it down even to the month. Yeah. And then like what you and I've been talking, and this has been a game changer in my company, but it's one thing for us to, as managers, leaders, owners, to sit down and look at our reports and what are our targets. It's another thing for the play-by-play of our frontline workers who are on the phones in the field to act on it, to, to have something actionable for them for right now. Right. And one of the, one of the things actually our rallying battle cry for this quarter actually is win the day. But you've allowed, so I've never, I have to give you high praise here. I've never seen anything quite like this where the metrics are given to put in front of people in as close to a real time way as possible. I haven't seen it and, and it's awesome and I'm in love with it. And I want to steal it. It's going to take me some time to steal it. But, and the reason is exactly what you just said. Because if you're going to have a great place to work and you can't really give people a chance to win the day, then how great What does winning look like to today? Work, right? Did, I, I came and I worked hard. But it's cloudy. 90% of the U.S. population has no idea what winning the day means for them at their job, I bet. Maybe even more than that. Maybe even more than that. So for your people to all know in a very clear way, 
it just it makes the check-in on them a little bit easier because they're wanting to win the day. I, I had a coffee conversation with one of the women here. I'm going to screw up her name, so I'm, I won't say a name, but she just clearly knows what winning looks like. She's building with blocks, which to me is your marketing. The amount of your marketing leads have to line up with your number of salespeople, have to ni- line up with your number of production crews, right? And that's one of the most critical things to be efficient as a business, to be as profitable as possible, in my opinion. And, and they're never lined up. There's always too many leads or not enough leads and too and it's and you're right you're always and she knew she doesn't call it building with blocks but she knew exactly because she's in HR. So I said what do you need now? Just out of curiosity and she knew but she knew what winning looked like for her. Yes. And here's so the thing amazing. you can give everybody these metrics and and we say it's about accountability and it's not necessarily to say point the finger at people no. your numbers are off but the right people on your team Want to to clear, they gravitate toward yeah. it. They want a clear picture of what winning is, and then they want to go get it. I don't think you're, I could be wrong, but you're not even pointing these out to them. They're, they're aware of them in the beginning when they get their training and start their job. But I don't think you're nudging anyone saying, hey, look at this. The type of people you have here, they're looking at that. They're thinking, okay, to move that needle, what do I have to do next? Yes. You're not spelling it out. And so it's getting A players to stay here. There's a lot. There's a lot There's to a it. lot. So the hiring process is huge for us. And that's something that we've been doing well on in the last probably three years. And we just completely scrapped what we did and changed it. A lot of it has to do with this behavioral analysis as well and adding, and I know you're big onto disc profiles. But beyond that, if you don't give them this, so culture, you're going to lose them. You're you going to lose hire them. the A's and you'll lose them. And they're going to leave. And they're not going to stay because you have a bowling party once a month. Or That's all fun stuff. I'm not saying don't do that. But the A's stay because they can win every single day. Man, you got it. You got it solved here. You, you really do. And, and a lot more people need to have it more front and center. When you let's just say, for instance, that you're what did I say to you? I said I look at my metric. I see my metrics weekly. Remember? Yes. And I said twenty years ago, I didn't know my. I never knew the number. Any of this stuff. Right. Right. <laughs> Ever. Like a year would pass. I had an idea. Right. I'm a contract. I have an idea. Like <laughs> I have an idea of how that went. But if we're gonna if we're gonna but hit our annual goal it daily or all the time, if we're gonna hit our annual goal, we gotta win every day. We gotta win every month. If we're gonna win every month, we gotta win every week. If we're gonna win every week, we gotta win every day. Right. If we want to win a day, we gotta execute. We, and so the, the way, like on our sales team, we gotta win the play. Right. Each appointment is a play. Right. So they've got to win the play. It's dialing it in. Hey, I, I, I would need this many leads this year, so I need this many each month. Put it on a seasonal curve. And I need this many every week. Weekdays are this much. Weekends are this much. And, and then it, it's simple. You're in the red, the green, the, where, yeah. where you at. It's, it's noon. Am I halfway toward where I need to be for the day? And so I think that I wish everybody had this. Yeah. And, but as a, as a, let's just say, for instance, your business was. Hey, the first one to have say, it. Say, hey, man. <laughs> the I'm second gonna, one to have I'm going to help you with this. <laughs> I'm going to help you. I want you to have this with this because you're going to, this is going to, this is going to change your life, man. But let's just say you were, say you're a guy out there that's, let's look back. Let's say your company was a million, two million dollars. What are the key numbers that you wish you had live up to date constantly without having to go fetch a report or make phone calls? If you could literally open your phone or look at a TV okay. screen in your office, what are the key numbers you really wish that you could see. Okay. Boil it down to the most simple ones. Right on the spot. I love this. So I'm going to go with, for for appointment center, I want to know how many calls came in that day. Okay. I want to see my appointment to lead ratio, which is just how many actually got booked versus how many flowed in. So that always has to stay high for us or we got to nick some of the marketing things, right? I want to see my CPL, my cost per lead for marketing. In sales, I want to see the aggregate sales, what was sold that day up to right then. Are you writing all this down? <laughs> no, but I am recording it. <laughs> That's true. And so I also want to see the average dollars per lead. N-S-L-I? Yes. N-S-L-I, I'm getting it. Yes. I want to see that 100% just real time would be amazing. Beyond that, production. I'm big into dollars per crew. So dollars per crew per week. So I'd want to see like work completed, like aggregate work completed. And so that's a tough one. You're looking at man hours and what's produced in the field and you're able to see it based off your charge rate. 
we're pretty clear we see it every week, but to see it every day or as parts of the day would be like Disney World for me. It, like that would it's be a lot easier to fix something when the. Okay, there, I'm going to re- re- relate a story that I may mess this up a little Is bit. Is that too many metrics? No, I think that's some... awesome. <laughs> I, I, I think that people are going to be drooling some thinking about this. I financial ones too, though. There'll be a few Some other... financial ones. Yeah. There was the way I heard it when we first sent, the U.S. sent Rocket to the Moon. That apparently it's like trying to throw a basketball in a hoop that's four miles away. It was that accurate. You had, it, and if you didn't hit the moon's gravity, gravitational field at the right speed, at the right angle, it wouldn't loop you around where you could orbit and land. It would slingshot you past out into Neverland in space. Okay. And so they had to hit this just right. And what I don't remember, it took them what, three days to get there? I don't know. This was before I was born. Yeah. But the idea was that. They didn't wait till they were halfway there to check their tracking. That every few hours they would update their trajectory right. before they were too far off course. Right. And so, to me, I don't want to wait till end of third quarter to realize, <laughs> wow, we're way behind on our annual goal. Right. <laughs> I don't want to wait till halfway through the year. And to me, I want to know, and I want my people to know today. Am I on track today to hit the goal? Because if you take care of your dailies, the weeklies will take care of themselves, right. the monthlies will take care of themselves, and everything will. If guys think about it like this, I'm just break it down to a job site, right? So if you're on a job site, you're training, or we're, we're training our crew leaders to win the day. How do they win the day? They show up at the time they're supposed to show up. They have a short communication with the customer. They have a huddle where they assign roles. So if there's three people on the crew, this is what I need you to get done. If they're really good at their job, what do they do? They actually specify what they want done. They don't just say, hey, start over here and start painting this side of the house. They say, you're going to start over here and paint this side of the house, and you need to get to here by lunchtime. Oh. That's part of what the crew leader has to do, right? Yeah. And then they have to keep it disciplined and keep the clock running. So that's about productivity, say, well, not just a responsibility to handle that side of the house. It's the same thing with metrics. So you're asking a crew leader to divide up their day the same way by planning it, organizing it, but allowing them to have targets they could win with. So why would you not have a call center person knowing that they have to rehash so many appointments or that you need this many to come in or this many outbound calls to get to that number? It should be on a board. That allows them to win. It's the same thing as the crew leader designing that day for his crew to win, which everybody in painting should understand that to some degree. Absolutely. And it's not just with them. It's with every salesperson. It's with every, it's in financial accounting, right? They have to be, it's, to me, it's about expense reports. So it's, there's certain expense categories that are going to kill me. And there's other ones that I don't have to worry about so much because yes. I, I never studied financial accounting. In fact, it's probably the one thing I'll have my daughters make sure they take a financial accounting class. I didn't do that. So that's it. And yeah, man, that, you, does that make sense? 100%. And I'm hoping that some of our contractor friends out there that are hearing this are going to grab on to what you're saying because everything you're saying is 100% right. Real quick, what is a, you mentioned the EOS, you want to get, that's the book traction and yeah. entrepreneurial operating system. And uh, you want to get, you want to get that in place. And it sounds like the, the metrics is a key thing. What, what's another system? Give me two examples. Give me a system in your business that is so good that you have handed it off or could easily hand it off to someone and it would continue to thrive. Start there. My sales system is pretty darn good. It's got to get better. Everything's got to get better, right? We know that. We've established that. My sales system is After is talking to you, tight. I'm going to win 100%. You are yeah. leaps and bounds ahead. That's pretty tight. That it's, It already gets handed off. I'm still quasi in the sales manager hat. I still wear it too much. And I think that was a conversation I just had with you and, and Joe. And I said... I need to probably move out of that because I'm not giving enough of myself to that team. That team deserves a person that can really just their whole job, 50, 40, 50 hours a week is just catered to those guys. Yeah. Like I love sales. I'm a sales baby. I grew up in sales of in this business, right? That's what I roll. I painted for a short amount of time, but I was into the sales end of it. That's what I loved. And I still love it. However, in my day, I, in my week, I probably give them six hours of me. And how much better could they be if, if they had someone? Somebody gave them 40 hours. And yeah. someone better than me. 
I'm not the best salesperson in the world. I have a pretty good method. I care about this stuff a lot. I live my business. So like I gr- I believe in what we're selling big time. I'm on fire with it. So that allows me to just naturally sell, right? That's some of the owner juice that you get. So owners are like, I'm a great salesperson. No, you're not. You're terrible. But you're just really passionate about it. You're transparent. You're honest. You believe in what you're going to do. You care about it. You're going to do a good job. And it shines through and you get some jobs. But you're really piss poor at selling. <laughs> right? And you only realize that when you hire salespeople and then there's you have nothing to train them on. Yes, that's right. So when I, the first person I ever hired, this is embarrassing, but I will tell you this, is he came from ADT. He was selling alarms. And I knew I needed a sales guy. We knew he knew how to knock on doors he if he was doing that, right? So he comes with me. And this is a successful guy. He had run karate studios and done all kinds of things. But he was all on board to be the next paint king in Connecticut with me, right? So my idea of trading him was he would just drive with me. Because okay. I was too busy to, yes. to stop doing anything. So he drove with me for two weeks and he goes, do you eat lunch? Like, (laughs) I go, wait, what do you mean? I said, we're working. Lunch is for the week. And he's, and, and that's when I knew that this is not replicatable. Like this guy is, who is this maniac? And somehow he lasted with me for a while, but it wasn't a system. And so it has to be, so that system I can hand off. My systems are okay. I think marketing, we do some smart things in marketing. So I think that's a good system. Hiring, my hiring system's really good. It's probably my second best system. Okay. Yeah. I don't know how deep you want me to well, go. Well, you're already using uh, personality profiles. You were, were using a combination of personality profiles, but we're, we're always hiring. And people give it lip service, but we are always hiring. And I'm always doing something outside the box that's probably stupid half the time. Like I just ran an event, a faux finishing event, with this faux finish master in order to try to attract crew leaders from other companies to come hang out with me genius at this event. Genius. It didn't work so hot, but it sounded good. We do a lot of things like that to bring them to the top of the funnel. We started using Recruiter Box, which is just software, and I think they changed names to TrackStar, and that's been a blessing. I set up my whole hiring process in their software, And it just allows the workflow to be easy. Like literally I have one person that's part-time and they're able to manage it essentially. But it's a series of, I'll run through the process quickly. It's basically, we would screen the resume. Then we would do a phone screen. Then they would do a few, they basically have homework after everything. So they get a simple homework that's emailed to them that they have to respond to. Then they come in for the first in-person, which is a one-on-one with someone in that department. And they get more homework. The personality profile quiz is an important thing. We do spend the time explaining why we do it and how it's about us communicating better and being better leaders and having a better family and all this stuff. And then there's group interview, drug test, background check, the whole nine when you're past references. It's a standard process for maybe bigger companies, like more Fortune 500 companies, I think, would probably follow it. For a painting company in my area, no one is like this. Like people go through this. Oh, and then we do Brandon's painter test. So I like to have them come in and touch something, pick up a brush, do this, the circle test. Yes. Which is awesome just because it gets them physically doing something. It gets them out there. I have a video that explains all the perks, like why it's awesome to work with us. And it's probably boring as hell, but it gets me to say the same thing the same way to every person. And so they're indoctrinated in. Like by the time they get hired... They put a lot of work into getting hired. And so it's not everyone's way, but it really works well for us. I remember hearing about Zappos, that Zappos would bring people through training and then they would pay them to leave, give them a little bonus to be like, if if you don't really want to do this. I have not heard that. That's amazing. So yeah, he would bring them through and they're a Las Vegas company, I think. And they do this customer service people. They were always on the phone and communication was the number one thing when they started. And he would bring them through this boot camp. And then he would offer him like, I don't know what it was, 500 bucks. It was like about a week's salary to quit. for cut to quit right now. You can quit here. Take this as like your parting gift, which sounds a little bit nuts. I love it. But what it did was it allowed those people that really wanted to be there. So I'm just waiting for people to fall out of my system. And other people are like, no, I got to hire people. No, because you need to always be recruiting and you need to always be hiring. One little thing that I'd done that worked really well for getting painters, because everyone's worried about how to do this, I made signs up. Just We make the signs, Patriot signs. We buy the big poly bag, 1,000 at a time for our business. We made them for hiring. 
And I used to hide who we were. It was like attention painter and it never worked with nobody ever called. And now I have a small logo so they know who we are. And it's all about hiring painters and it lists the benefits for them. The number one benefit for the crew leader in our market, if they do their bonus and everything right, I'm trying to get them to hundred thousand dollars. It's a lot of money. It's a lot of money for a painter crew leader that gets the phone to ring. It has other benefits, 401k and paid time off nice. and basic stuff. But it's just on this sign. So we just, if, if I need guys, I'll put up 40 signs at all the Home Depots, the Lowe's, CVS, Dun- Dunkin' Donuts, anywhere. And I'll, we'll get a ton of calls. Now, they're not all people that you want to hire, obviously. But you're driving people to the funnel. It's a hiring funnel. And if you don't drive people to it, you're never going to win. So you're treating it just like marketing. I wish more people would do that. In some senses, I become more maniacal with the hiring being recruiting as almost like marketing Yeah, in the last two years, but it's working. So now I'm getting a players that drip down to me. I've got to get them to work with me and stay with me a long time. And I think facility is one thing like you don't need it, but that's like my next big thing where, Yeah. I feel like that's the next big next step. Man, that's amazing. Yeah. I tell you guys, we are coming up right on close to an hour. So I think think we're going to wrap it up here. Listen, friends out there, if you're watching or listening... We got to do a round two. We've we've got a lot. We can definitely do a round two and then some. But guys, you've got a glimpse into, into Mark's thinking. Mark has a business mind, okay? And he's got it going on. I want you, by the way, what's the best way if anybody wants to reach out to you? You don't do a lot of stuff on social media. What's the best way to reach out to you? Go to mdfpainting.com and and give me a call. People can just reach out and say, hey, you listened to this or Jason and you want me to give them a call back and and I'll just get on the phone and and talk to you. Wow. That's an amazing offer. mdfpainting.com is the web. mdfpainting.com. Okay. So, Mark, dude, I know we've got some more time we're going to spend together, but yeah. I've, I'm treasuring this time, getting to know you, hearing I about your business. I appreciate you very and, much. Thank you. And, man, this has been great. You guys out there, look forward to connecting with you. Share this with your friends, and God bless you. Hey, contractors, I want to invite you to connect. If you want to get connected with the Contractor Freedom community, simply point your browser to contractorfreedom.live. That's contractorfreedom.live. On there, you'll find the link to our our, our Facebook private group, our page, our newsletter. You'll find a, a link to our podcast. You'll also find a, a link to register for the upcoming first annual Contractor Freedom Summit right here in Dallas, Texas. So I just want to invite you to, to come on over, join the community. I look forward to getting to know you more. Thanks for listening in today.